Listening Dog Media. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes! The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule brought to you by Continental Tires getting you to the game safely. And I am safely joined by Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper and I am Hayley McQueen. Hi there, girls. I can clarify, you are Hayley McQueen. I'm touching her. I'm touching it. Yeah, she's there. She's there. It's real. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I'm here as a mystical presence. I'm not really in the room, but I am. <laughs> Speaking of presents, we may be present at the FBAs. That's right, we've been nominated in the Football Blogging Awards in the category of Best Podcast. That's right. So thank you for continuing your support with us via Twitter at OffsideRulePod, the OffsideRulePodcast.com website for plenty of features on there. And as well, there's our YouTube channel, the Offside Rule TV. But thank you very much for listening either through iTunes or Audioboom. Continue to not just listen, but to vote for us. Get the votes in. If you are on Twitter, the click of a button could have us winning an award yes because now we're finalists we need to get votes all over again so if you don't mind we would love to win this time because two years ago Kate Borsay and I made that long trek up to Manchester didn't we Kate and she nearly killed me this is an infamous story we're very tired on the journey home I drifted off woke up with a start to find the back of a lorry (laughs) approaching approaching at quite some speed and then a swift stamp on the brake from Lindsay Hooper as our bodies rocked forward and we finished about an inch away from the lorry. But luckily, we're here to tell the tale. And and who let who down in that occasion, Kate was <laughs> Go on. I couldn't keep on. She, she was boring me to death. She just kept yattering away and I thought, I must close my eyes for a minute. I, and I did. You know that I am such a heavy sleeper and I go to sleep so easy. I said, if you, you've got to keep me awake. You have to keep talking to me. And you fell asleep. That 
that is not the line to get into a car with someone for four hours. By the way, I'm... We'd already done 10 hours driving. By the way, I I am a very heavy sleeper. You just wouldn't get in that car, would you? No. (laughs) Anyways, uh, that was two years ago. So what we'd love now is to not just be finalists, but to be winners. But we've got some stiff competition. There's nine finalists. I think when we were finalists last time, there were only like five. Mm. So this is going to be tougher. So we need you. We're calling to arms. Please help. So there you have it. So we could be winners there, but let's talk about winners in the WSL. It was another, the S in the SL. Super. Super. A brilliant season. Chelsea and City could have both won it on the last day. As it happened, Chelsea was celebrating at the weekend. Yep. John Terry was there. He oh, was yeah. he was in the crowd watching. He brought his daughter along who Hang plays football. He didn't jump up for the trophy, did he? <laughs> I haven't checked the photo to see whether he's there in the background being photoshopped in. They should do it. Uh, they did do quite a few shots up to him watching on in the crowd. I think Gary Cahill was meant to be there as well, but he, I couldn't see him. I didn't think he turned up. But um, it was great for the for the men to be getting behind the ladies um, and rejoicing in their success. We've spoken on this podcast before about how he's invested in the women's team. Um, and he really does have an interest. I heard him talking to his daughter about it. And she's very keen on football mm, and summer. plays. Yes, yeah, Summer, she does. So um, hopefully one to watch at Chelsea Ladies in the future. Summer could be lighting up the WSL in years to come. So they they actually won the... Seasons to come. Oh, beautiful. So they won the double, actually. They won, of course, the FA Cup as well. So congrats to Emma Hayes, the manager. And we're going to be talking about our particular highlights of the season um, in the WSL. Could be sort of a goal, a moment, an image, a player, a game, anything really. And we're going to be hearing from Sue Smith as well, who fully rounds up... uh, the season and that final exciting weekend. Now, there were heroes on the pitch then, but not so hero in our final topic. Victor Anichibi, he tweeted to say he was snubbed when he met two of his heroes, two actors from the Game of Thrones, and they snubbed him. They wouldn't have a picture taken with him, so he was really upset. So we're going to be looking at other footballers who've met their heroes, could be unlikely heroes, and discussing what happened. It could be good, it could be bad, it could just be plain weird. I've got a good and a bad. I've just got the plain weird. I've just got, yeah, a little, uh, yeah weird. I've got choice. <laughs> Strange. A bit like me. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not really here, are you? <laughs> no, no. I am an apparition. Yeah. <laughs> Well, lucky us. Jose Mourinho, talking of apparitions, sort of. He wish he'd disappeared somewhere yeah. as well at the moment, didn't he? After his worst spell as manager. Uh, for a side defending the title, they're in 16th as it stands. They lost yet again at the weekend. Sunderland, we know, have already got rid of uh, Avocat. Liverpool's Brenda Rogers soon followed, but it looks like Chelsea are sticking with Mourinho for now. So we're going to be having a look at examples of when other managers, big name managers, who've enjoyed mainly success, go through struggles. And what was the outcome? What was the struggle? How did they come back from it? So this is where we're going to start, Lindsay. I'm going to start with Luis Felipe Scolari, Brazil. Because you go back to 2002's World Cup, which was in Japan and Korea, and he inherited a side that wasn't deemed to be one of the best Brazilian sides ever. We were so used to seeing in World Cups and big tournaments, uh, fantastic Brazil teams, fantastic talent on show, um, incredible skill. 
And there were question marks in certain areas as he took over that team that it wasn't the team it used to be. So for the first time in a very long time, nobody was expecting Brazil to win that World Cup, Mm. but they did. They beat Germany in the final. And it was an outstanding piece of coaching from from Luis Felipe Scolari through that tournament, making some great substitutions throughout the tournament, but also great player management, making players perform better than people were expecting them to. So he got a lot of plaudits from the press in Brazil off the back of that. And his name was in high accolade. He's been linked with lots of different jobs. He went into club football. Fast forward 10 years, he goes back to Brazil, where you could say that the team that he inherited this time had much more talent amongst the ranks. And there were higher expectations from him. And although they got to the semi-final, so I don't think you can say that they didn't get far enough in the competition, but it is the humiliation, isn't it, of being beaten 7-1 by Germany. And that is how his career, I believe, will now be remembered. It isn't what the Brazilian press wanted to be writing about, of course, not in a home World Cup. So it really did leave a bad taste. And if he'd have just left it at the 2002 World Cup, I always think this about managers. With hindsight, it's great, isn't it? But you go, I've won the World Cup with Brazil. If he'd have left it there... That's that's his career sorted, isn't it? He goes down in folklore. Avocat as well. You know, he should have just left it there at the end of the season, shouldn't he? Yeah. Shouldn't shouldn't have gone back. Even Mourinho back at Chelsea. Okay, I guess yeah. you've got to remember last season, of course. But if he goes out on a complete low, he'd like to have defended again this mm. season and maybe got another piece of silverware the following season and then kind of leave on a high. This is what I've done and I'm leaving you in a great place. Whereas at the moment, it's just not looking good. I'm going to go with my club manager first. This is a chap who took over at Barcelona, Luis Enrique. Now, a couple of months in, things not going well last season at Barcelona to the point when it got to January, actually, and um, Enrique almost completely overwhelmed by a 1-0 loss to Real Sociedad. Great news for David Moyes, not for Luis Enrique. Things were not looking good for him. And I think he'd tried to change too much at Barcelona. He'd sort of tried to make them un-Barcelona-like um, too much so, really. Um, and I know that after that Real Sociedad game, you know, despite the fact that Barcelona might deny it, there were strong rumours at the time that um, the um, president and, owner and owners there were, were, were looking for a replacement for him. They were going to have to sort out the mess at Barcelona. To be fair to him, and this shows his strength, really, I suppose, he got back to basics. He got back to the kind of Cruyff style um, in terms of formation, in terms of play, rather than going for anything un-Barcelona-like. He allowed the team um, to enjoy more possession, a bit like the sort of traditional Barcelona sides. Three wins over Atletico Madrid in three games. That was no mean feat for him, considering that that same club had stopped Barca from winning in the previous three encounters. So he righted that wrong if that's a correct way to say that phrase. And from February onwards, they were absolutely flying. They had that great game at the Etihad against Manchester City in the Champions League. Great display of football there. And I think, you know, he brought rotation in. He worked hard on the players' fitness as well. So at that point in the season, January, February time, when a lot of the players around them in the Champions League and in La Liga were struggling for fitness, Barca were really finding their own. But coming back and winning the double ain't bad at all. And obviously he's um, he's, uh, enjoying a good time there at the moment in fourth I think Barca at the moment but there's not much up at the top of La Liga in terms of points difference I'm going to focus on the former Barcelona manager Pep Guardiola who achieved so much there great manager hero goes to Bayern Munich starts where he left off 
he again inherited a great team. He started this season really well as well. Can you believe it? They've won 10 games in a row, won every single game since the beginning of the season. Their opener, however, was a German Super Cup game when they drew. So they had a bit of a blip at the start of the season, but 10 in a row, it's a phenomenal start. Defending champions as well. However, last season ended really bad for them. There was a stage where... It wasn't like they were calling for Guardiola to leave, but a bit of uncertainty. And this is how much pressure he was under. He'd said himself, only the treble is enough. Imagine that. Imagine that. (laughs) They attempted to overturn a 3-1 deficit against Porto in the Champions League and heading into that saying, we need to come around from this. We want to win the Champions League. We want to win, of course, the domestic cup. We want to win the league as well. But the season didn't end well. They'd had a brilliant season. They then had a real blip. Now, this is as bad as it gets for him. And it's not very bad at all. But there were certainly headlines that, that looked, you know, slightly worrying for the side in Guardiola. They needn't have worried because they might have ended the season quite badly, even though they did still, of course, go on and win silverware. But they've started brilliantly. Um, They drew against Borussia Dortmund in the German Cup. So that was a blip. They then lost three games in a row. His worst spell ever. Those were against Leverkusen in the Champions League, Augsburg and Barcelona as well. They didn't even manage to put one past Barcelona. They conceded three goals. It was dubbed as a mini crisis. Imagine that. Um, The last seven games of the season in all competitions, they only won two matches. They did, however, win. Um, I think it was by 10 points. So they were clear away at the top of the table. And he, you know, luckily for Bayern Munich, they didn't let that continue into the next season. But imagine that to be to be in that position. And there was only just a little blip of a few games and suddenly the club's in crisis. But there you go. It just shows that it doesn't matter how the season ended. It started with a plomb. Follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule We Get In. There's only one of us. Going back to Chelsea and how wonderfully they're doing, and we're obviously not talking about the men's team, we're talking about Chelsea celebrating the WSL title. That is right. Season's over, double for them. But what have been some of the other highlights of the season when it comes to women's football? We're going to be chatting through some potential goals, standout players. I want to just say congratulations to the fans who've been turning up in their thousands to come and watch the games because there have been record attendances and uh, approximately there have been 700 more people in the crowd than there were just last season. People want to get out and watch women's football and that's going as well with a huge game of football on television at the weekend. Weather wasn't particularly great on Sunday yet still thousands were turning up to go and watch the women. It was brilliant to see. Um, I was at that final, Chelsea Ladies against Sunderland. And, and by the way, earlier on in the season, and, and I spoke to Katie Chapman and Frank Kirby afterwards, uh, it was actually Sunderland at Sunderland who beat them 4-0 yes. and really turned their season around. Katie Chapman said that was the result, really, for me, that made us kick on after that. We had a reality check. Um, so to beat them 4-0 at home brought it all back full circle, really. But in terms of attendances, um, they've actually released a press release, the FA, to say that attendance are up 48% year on year in the WSL. Um, I started out uh, presenting the BT show that I do when it was on ESPN about four or five seasons ago. And you'd look around and you'd be lucky if you got 500 people in the crowd. Mm. So to see... 
near on 3,000 at Wheatsheaf Park to see over 3,000 at Manchester City in their specially built stadium. The game is going in the right direction. It's great, encouraging and everything moving in the right direction there. It's interesting because the Women's World Cup has obviously had a great impact. It's been a you know thoroughly decent season for women's football, hasn't it? And what I loved is those stats that we saw as soon as the girls went back into action after the Women's World Cup. They were back the next weekend, weren't they? They flew home on the Sunday or the Monday and then they were back in action come Saturday as Lindsay knows, because you you were up in Sunderland, I think, weren't you, for that one? Yeah, that was on the Sunday. I landed back. I, I extended the World Cup slightly to see a bit of Vancouver and then flew back and had to go up to Sunderland. I had the producers messaging me going, are you back yet? Because you've got to be in Sunderland tomorrow. Yes, I know. Um, of all the games to have, eh? But just to put it into context, there were over 2,000 who saw Liverpool win 3-1 at Arsenal. That was more than two and a half times the crowd for the Gunners' last home game before the Women's World Cup. So not only is it what's going on on the field and in terms of the league becoming stronger and stronger it's also a lot to do with the success of the England team as well nationally. I've, I've had four moments this season that have made me well up and I'm not a big blubber I don't cry that often but occasionally you have those moments where you fill up a little bit because of the emotion of it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who have you been interviewing? <laughs> Two of them have been down to images. One that I saw with my own eyes and one that... (laughs) As opposed to somebody else's eyes. I'll explain. And one of them that is a viral image. I had an amazing image with my own eyes. (laughs) Okay, let me clarify. I was walking up Wembley Way, me and my own eyes, FA Cup final day. Yeah. And the amount of people that were walking up Wembley Way wearing Notts County shirts, wearing Chelsea ladies shirts, they'd got young boys and girls, the parents and the the conversations I overheard in that in that 60 second little walk I had were so inspiring because they were saying you're going to the FA Cup final. There was there was no mention of women and the fact that it's a different game or that it's not, you know, all these things that have been said for years and years. It was everyone getting behind football and it didn't matter whether it was men's or women's. They were going to Wembley. It was their big day out and it felt like something had changed and it made me well up. So that was number one. Number two was an image, not through my own eyes. It was somebody else's through a lens. It was a picture. It was It was a photo taken of a little boy wearing an England shirt and it had bronze on the back. Mm. And that struck a chord because for the first time you thought this is reaching a whole new fan base. Mm. And we were out in Canada, obviously, and we didn't know what was going on. It was one of the first images that we saw out there, wasn't it, that made us realise? It certainly was. And I mean, her goal was fantastic for the women's game um, at the World Cup as well. I just want to mention Sunderland, actually, for a team that was promoted at the end of last season, spending their first season in FAWSL1. They've done an absolutely cracking job. They've approached it um, with a complete lack of fear. We know that there's quality in that side and there has been for many years, the likes of Jill Scott, Steph Horton, um, Jordan Nobbs. So many key players have come through that Sunderland youth system. But to see them perform on the biggest stage in terms of the league um, was brilliant. And they spent quite a few weeks at the top of the table. I think that that surprised everyone. It was probably six or seven weeks, wasn't it, Linz? Yeah, they spent quite a bit of time at the top. And I think for them, their first half of the season was fantastic, but they maybe ran out of steam a little and had a few injuries. I think they, they ran out of juice. And you mentioned the 
4-0 win to them against Chelsea, which obviously changed Chelsea's season. But it was a a great accolade um, to Sunderland to put four goals past Chelsea. I really like what I've seen from Sunderland and I hope they can keep the the momentum going. Let's talk about some of the goals of the season, potentially. Tony Duggan just doing it again. When you look at those who've won awards last season, just bringing it back into this season as well. Uh, Wonderful goal against uh, Bristol Academy. Um, She's just continues to score brilliant goals and you've got again player of the season Jisoo Young of Chelsea again scoring wonderful goals she has been brilliant I mean G is in a completely different league I have to say to most players that that play in this country um you've got the lionesses that did brilliant but wow G her control her her foresight as well when she's playing she always knows what everyone else is doing and one of the things I'll pick up on because I had two other points to make from this season and one of them was to do with Tony Duggan I just think she never scores a tap in she only no, scores an no. absolute screamer but she I, loves a glamour goal doesn't she she does she does but one of the things I'm going to mention is uh, is Chelsea's attacking four let's talk about mm. the WSL 2015 champions because they've done the double this season they were only training part-time last season and, and la- lost out on the last day and that front four is something to fear for everyone next season if they can hang on they've got G Gemma Davison Enia Luko and Frank Kirby and that four are honestly unplayable at times. You cannot stop them from producing a goal threat. It's just incredible to watch. I've loved watching them. And I think saying farewell as well to Matt Beard, who's been a big part of the growth of women's football. He's going out to the States now to manage Boston Breakers. Um, he, he actually managed at Chelsea and, and led Liverpool to two league titles. It, he'll be a big miss. And I'm really wondering what's going to happen with Liverpool now, because whoever they get in has got big shoes to fill. And it is difficult there because although they train full time, I know it's a very reduced budget compared to some of the other teams in the league. They've got great history having had Matt lead them to two titles. Mm. Where do they go? And we've seen other teams like Bristol who managed to get near on to the title, got Champions League football, then got relegated this season. It's, it's difficult. Well, it isn't quite all over as far as WSL 2 is concerned. Big, exciting week ahead as far as that's concerned. An exciting week ahead uh, for Sue Smith, of course, and Doncaster Bells, who are gunning for the title. And we can hear from Sue now ahead of all that. Sue Smith's WSL Roundup. Brought to you by Continental Tyres. Hey, everyone. Okay, this is the conclusion of WSL 1. The league could have been won by both Manchester City and Chelsea coming into the last game of the season. All Chelsea had to do was beat Sunderland and they won the title. Simple as that. Manchester City had to beat Notts County and hope that Chelsea slipped up. It does sound really easy, doesn't it? But when we look at last season and how that ended, it definitely wasn't going to be easy. This year, though, I did feel like it was a different story with Chelsea. Not only had they experienced that last day defeat and how distraught they all were, they wouldn't want to feel like that again, but they look hungry to win the league and they've made some experienced signings who I think has really, really helped them. The likes of Lindahl, Gemma Davidson and who in their words and, and the team's words, they are winners. Chelsea, for me, technically very, very gifted, probably the best four attacking players in the league. But not only do they have that, but I think now that they've got that physical presence in midfield and defensively, they're very difficult to break down. So they're, for me, an all-round team this year. Man City did do their job and they beat Notts County 2-1, but it didn't matter because Chelsea won their game 4-0. Firstly, G scored, who else? 
before a double from Frank Kirby and then Gemma Davidson deservedly for me added a fourth. Frank Kirby for me has been a, another excellent signer for Emma, Emma Hayes. She took the game by the scruff of the neck, looked dangerous every time she got the ball, as did Gemma Davidson. And in my opinion, Chelsea were deserved winners of that game, but also deserved winners of the league. They've been the most consistent throughout. And for me, they're a real entertaining team to watch. So it's nice for a team like that to, to win the league. Got to say, though, credit's got to go to Manchester City for pushing them all away. And what an improvement from last year. I do really think City will be a, a force to be reckoned with next season. The season hasn't finished yet, though, for some teams. Both Liverpool and Chelsea have Champions League football this week. And then it's the Continental Tyres semi-final at the weekend. Arsenal play Birmingham and Liverpool will play Notts County. OK, that's all for me. See you all soon. Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day. Now, our final topic is West Brom striker Victor Anichibi, who was snubbed by the Game of Thrones star Kit Harrington. He tweeted how upset he was by saying, bumped into Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie at my hotel and being a big Game of Thrones fan, asked nicely for a picture. Shame they refused and felt to act the way they did. I would would never decline someone a picture as without fans, we are nothing. And then he finishes up by saying, just in case you don't know... Uh, the character in Game of Thrones is called Jon Snow, not Jon Snow, the uh, yeah. newsreader. So what happens when other footballers meet their heroes, Kate? Tim Cahill, over in China, playing at the moment, he met his hero, Jackie Chan. Bit of an unusual one, that one. Uh, he tweeted or Facebooked or whatever, uh, saying that, uh, that Chan... Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he's a pioneer and a mentor that I look up to. And there was a nice picture of him. Apparently they'd um, shot, a, shot a documentary together. I thought, I thought that that was quite an unlikely pairing. Um, now, if you're the son of Cristiano Ronaldo, you probably look up to your dad, right? Especially at the Ballon d'Or, where your dad is picking up the main gig, the main award, Yeah. So what happens when Ronaldo Jr. meets Lionel Messi? He is completely starstruck. Ronaldo says to Messi, yeah, basically he watches all of your YouTube clips, mate. (laughs) That was a nice way to make Messi feel better about missing out on the Ballon d'Or. Seeming as you started us off, Hayley, with a snub, I think I'm going to continue in that vein. Um, Love this one. Nicki Minaj snubbed Mario Balotelli. She had a gig, she had a concert in Manchester when he was at Manchester City and he'd asked to meet her afterwards. She refused to meet Balotelli after a gig, said she was too tired. Oh, yeah. Um, Actually, more than that, she decided to go and feast on a Nando's instead. (laughs) Um, Mario apparently said he was gutted because he's a big fan and he had gifts. A big big fan of Nando's? A big fan of, of Nicky's, but he had gifts. Oh. oh, she's a silly girl. Yeah, she? she might she might have been silly there because you know how quick he is to give away his cars because he has parking tickets and all sorts. He's probably turned up with something he, mega. He probably sent his mum down to Argos again to get loads of toys. Yeah. What about the original Ronaldo? So he goes to Formula One. He's at Monza in Italy. Everything's really swanky, and he gets to meet one of his heroes. And he posts this picture on both Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, it had thirty thousand likes. Ooh. Not only did he post a picture of himself with um, Kaká and Rabinho, Brazil teammates, he posted this other picture of an actor that he put down as absolute hero, so delighted to meet this person. Who was it, do we think? 
And it wasn't just that the person, it was a character that this person played that was his absolute favourite. Was it Henry Winkleman? No, it was Rowan Atkinson. Oh, Mr Bean! Mr Bean! Do we want to see the picture of yeah. when he met Mr Bean? <laughs> <laughs> Rowan Atkinson looks, looks so unhappy. He has no idea who this fat man is to the right of him. And Ronaldo is there with this big cheesy grin, just delighted about meeting somebody that he's obviously watched for years and years on VHS repeat like I did as a kid. Uh, my final one is a Bayern defender. Jerome Botang, yeah. who has always loved Jay-Z. So you can imagine his delight when he became the first footballer to sign for the Rap Stars label. He signed for Rock Nation Sports. So uh, Jay-Z starting to represent quite a few sports stars oh. as well now. Uh, they celebrated in Brooklyn. He went over, took his wife, I think, and his mom or someone else or his wife and sister and went to Jay-Z's private villa. And there was a picture. So if you Google this, Jerome Boateng and Jay-Z, I'm sure you'll find there's a Daily Mail article. There's many other articles. But there's this same picture that goes around doing the rounds. And I think it's fair to say he looks a little overwhelmed that he's met Jay-Z. <laughs> His face just says it all. You know, he's obviously really excited. But imagine that, you know, having an idol, but then actually signing for them and working with them and going to their villa. Mm, wow. It's a bit like me and you girls when you sign me up for this podcast. I just, I just, oh my God, this is my chance to meet my idols. It's, I was just overcome. We know. We know and um, we try and keep you at a distance most of the time. <laughs> That's why she's, what was it in the beginning? A mirage. Oh, an apparition. An apparition. We're a, we're a mirage to you. But not Nikki. Oh, no. Anyway, well, what about when a footballer stops and signs autographs for all his fans, has photographs and is literally sort of, there's a stampede of fans in Thailand, in Bangkok, outside the Chelsea team hotel, getting pictures of you, signing things. Um, just really excited about meeting Ryan West. Weston? Who's Ryan Weston, you ask? <laughs> well, he walks out of the hotel that Chelsea was staying in and he was a young lad who was also a fan himself who happened to have a tracksuit on that wasn't a Chelsea tracksuit, but he just looked like an English sports star. And one person came up to him and asked for his autograph and he sort of was a bit embarrassed and thought, oh, um, yeah. Okay. He didn't want to deny them because he felt bad. This was like a little child. So he signed something. And then, of course, once that happens, open the floodgates and there were queues of people coming coming up to him and taking his photograph. And there's a brilliant clip on YouTube. And he played up to it. He signed everybody's autographs. They were having photos taken with him. There were videos. And he, he started to believe his own lies. He's like, oh, just wait, wait here. I'll be back in a couple of hours. You can meet the whole squad. We'll be in the reception. I have to share a story on this. You've inspired me because we all love our jobs, don't we? Mm -hmm. So what's the one downside of the job? I'll explain. Love what I do. Love going and meeting these players, sitting down, doing interviews, talking about football. Great. But there's one moment of my job that I hate and it's the drive out of the training ground because you drive out of the training ground <laughs> yeah. and there are a group of fans with autograph books waiting for their idols yeah. and I drive out and all I see is disappointed faces <laughs> and it's the one part of the job where you think oh no yeah. I've got to now drive they're all huddling around who is it who is it who's in the car <laughs> oh it's a girl we don't know who she is <laughs> try coming out in a big family mobile with a massive roof box then they know it's not a player <laughs> or my mini when I worked at Manchester United 
United. You ain't getting any of the first teamers in a mini, are you? The female take on football. Well, thank you very much for listening. Please vote for us in the Football Blogging Awards, the FBA. Just go to our Twitter feed at Offside Rule Pod, and I'm sure we will have links up there as to how you can vote because we've been nominated. And in fact, if we don't win, it doesn't matter. We're up there with some other great podcasts. But really, 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 we 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 actually do want to win. We really want to win so bad. We promise to have an even better podcast for you next week and the week after that. I'm kidding, no one. Second place, you're still losers. No one ever remembers second place, do they? Where are Man United? at the moment oh god everything's a terrible so thank you very much f- for listening and uh, we will see you next time yes! Oh, yes! the offside rule we get it is brought to you by continental tires sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.